humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Wow, he says, God made you to hunger so God could feed you miraculously. Now, that changes, I believe, the way we have a tendency to look at times of scarcity. When you realize that sometimes things are scarce so God can do supernatural things in your life. Why does God allow us to go through difficulties in this life? This is a question many have asked and ask every day. In today's message, Pastor Daniel discusses those times when we don't have enough and why God can do miraculous things in those times. When we turn to God, He steps forward in miraculous ways, providing everything we need in the best possible time. God has us in His hand. We can be sure of that. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Don't Forget. Jesus is Let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. Deuteronomy, chapter 8. As we continue our study, as slow as it may be, through the book of Deuteronomy, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a pastor in California, and he was giving me a hard time about the leisurely pace that we're going through the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, he said, so Fusco, he said, you already taught the Crossroads family Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So, like, why is it taking so long to go through Deuteronomy? And I said, well we have a tendency to forget, you know? And in a lot of ways, that's why the book of Deuteronomy exists. That's what we're calling this first series in the book of Deuteronomy, Refresh, because we have a tendency, you and I, to need to hear these things over and over and over again. How many of us, some of the greatest lessons that we've learned in life, some of the most important things that God has taught us, In a moment of trial, in a moment of anxiety, all of our understanding of the faithfulness of God goes out the window, right? And we just fret. Even though we have all of these personal testimonies of the things God has done, but we all realize that in the crisis points of life, oftentimes we forget who God is, and we forget who we are. And so the book of Deuteronomy exists as a refresher course to the children of Israel of what they've already learned. Now, again, the book of Deuteronomy is taking place as the children of Israel are about to enter the promised land. Moses is about to die. He's not allowed to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua is going to be leading them in. And so Moses, as a elder, as a patriarch, as their leader, before he leaves, like, I want to give you a refresher course in the most important things so that when you go into the land, you'll be blessed and you'll be a blessing. I don't know about you, but we need to hear the old things over and over again, don't we? You know, I feel that way as a pastor that, that my job isn't to tell you something new. My job is to remind you of the things that you already know, the things that the Spirit of God who dwells in you testifies to you in that still small voice that often gets buried 
down underneath issues and anxieties and struggles and pain and victories. And so my job is really to give you these refresher courses. And it's interesting. I've entitled this message, Don't Forget, because once again, God is reminding them of things that we've heard many times already. So let's just jump right on in. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, picking up in verse 1, it says this. It says, now every commandment which I command you today... You must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall, verse 2, remember the Lord your God, that he led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you." Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. Now, Moses once again brings the children of Israel back to their 40-year wanderings in the wilderness. And we keep hearing this refrain over and over again, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. Now, this is an encouragement to be obedient to the law that has been revealed through Moses to the people, that we need to be diligent to observe the commandments of the Lord. Now, all the time people say, so are we supposed to keep the law of Moses? And the answer is no. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. So we are called to keep the law of love. But let's be honest. How many of us are actually in our hearts right now know that we are willfully being disobedient to one of God's commands? All of us in some way. And I know I say this, I was like, not me, Fusco. And if that's you, I'd say, ask your spouse (laughs) or ask your coworkers, you know, because if you complain today, it says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. So what I love about the Bible, it's not just philosophy. It's not just these ethereal ideas. And I love philosophy. I love reading ideas, spiritual ideas. But God is interested in an embodied spirituality that we live this stuff out every single day, that we put hands and feet on this stuff. And his Holy Spirit's job is not only to remind us who we are, but to cultivate a life in us that we live out into the world. See, true Christianity is not just things that we believe. It's things that we believe that drive a holistic way of living. 
And so for each one of us, we want the things that we're learning about Jesus to not just make it into our heads or in our hearts, but we want to make it all the way out into our hands, into our feet, out of our tongues and our lips, into the world that we live in. So much of the law is how you live every day. It's ethics. It's the things that you do and the things that you choose not to do. But we're reminded every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. Why? That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. See, God's design for us in obedience is that we may experience the blessings that he has for us, that we may live. God is interested in life. God has given us life. God sustains our life, and God wants our life to be the abundant life. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, and they may have it what? More abundantly. So our lack of obedience to God's expressed commands, it undercuts our ability to experience the abundant life that Jesus bought for us on Calvary's cross in his own life. So God wants us to have real life. Not a self-styled life where we do whatever we want, but we live, we get to live the life of God in an individual's life. The resurrected life of Jesus coming out of your life and out of my life. Different things than we would have chosen for ourselves, left up to our own devices, but the true life that God has for us. So life is involved in this. Notice the idea of you may live and multiply. Now remember, the very first commandment that God gave Adam and Eve was to what? to be fruitful and multiply. So the idea of it's the blessings of family and young life, offspring. And so part of this involves God's plan for humanity. And not only that, that God wants to bring them into this land and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. That's beautiful. God has a a home for his people. Now, from there... We get, look what it says in verse 2. And this is why I said, I tell this message, don't forget. It says, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, there's so much for us to learn here in these verses. Notice that it says, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years. Now, if you traveled with us, from the book of Exodus until now, and for many of us, it's been a, a journey that we've been on for a number of years. There are often times as you see the story of the children of Israel that you might think, where was God when that happened? Like, where was the Lord in the midst of it? And here we get the reality that God was with them every step of the way. And I'm here to tell you that there are times in our lives when we have the tendency to think, where is God when this is happening? And I'm here to tell you, God has been with you every step of the way. Whether you're cognizant of it or not, whether you want to acknowledge God or not, God is with you every step of the way. Because in him, we live and we move and we have our being. There is no such thing as life without God. And so God is always with you. But notice what God's plans are. And I think oftentimes for us, we really don't want this to be what God is up to in our lives. But this is what he's up to, notice, to humble you and to test you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God is interested in humbling us. Now, you know what the problem with that is? None of us are interested in God humbling us. 
could be honest, like the problem with God humbling us is that it's humbling. And the way God works humility into our lives is never through our victories. It's always through the struggles that we have. But the Bible teaches, blessed are the pure in spirit, that God loves to dwell with the lowly and the contrite of heart. Jesus was meek and lowly in heart. See, God's design for his people is that we be a people who God is great in our eyes and we are little in our own eyes. But left up to our own devices for you and I, we want to be great in our own eyes and we want everything else to be little. And so part of this journey that we're on, God loves you too much to keep you proud, to keep you puffed up. God wants to humble you because when we are little in our own eyes, then God can be great in our eyes. And not only will God be great, but we will esteem others higher than ourselves. You notice I'm just picking out verses from the Bible and saying, because the Bible says esteem others higher than yourselves. Well, how can you esteem someone else higher than yourself when you esteem yourself the highest? So God's plans in this journey is to help us to understand who we truly are, that God may increase and we might decrease, and that other people may be in a place of we give preference for them because we've been divorced from our obsession with ourselves. And the journey of your life, my friends, and the journey of my life is God's curriculum to humble us. But I think if we're honest... We always resist God's humbling process because we want it, but we really don't want it. I look back on every challenging situation. I look at every time that God was humbling me, and I always resist it. Left up to my own devices, I'm always like, come on, no, no, you know, who, who, whose fault is this? Why, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, Daniel, you're the man. I'm doing the work in you right here. And God wants us to not reject his humbling work, but to embrace it. Then he says not only to humble us, but he says to test us that we might, and this is interesting, to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now listen, the idea of God testing us, it's not like God's trying to figure out if we're going to pass the test. God already knows everything about us. But you know who needs to learn how we do on those tests? Us. Oftentimes, we don't know what's in our own heart. And it's only when we go through those humbling times that we begin to see what's in our hearts. See, God already knows what's in there. And God is interested in us understanding who we are because when we understand who we are and we see who he is, something beautiful happens. So God knew the children of Israel that this was going to be the plan. He knew what was going to go on, but they didn't know. Do you remember when they were on Mount Sinai? We're going to do all this. Moses, we got all this. We're going to do all this. And then Moses went up onto the mountain, and then they made a golden calf, and they danced and worshipped it. See, they didn't know what was in their heart. But the journey teaches you what's in your heart. And my friends, I want to encourage you to embrace the self-understanding that we get from walking in the Spirit. When you realize that you don't have it all together, God already knew that. And God sent Jesus just for that. And when you realize that although you love God, you have a tendency to doubt God at every turn that you don't choose, don't make, don't feel condemned because of that, because Jesus knows that about you. And that's why he came and that's why he died. And when you do a inventory of your own devotional life and you find 
I really don't spend any time praying or I don't read the word and I haven't lifted up a finger to serve anybody in a long time. Don't let it drive you away from Jesus. Let it drive you into his arms. Because this is exactly why Jesus came. Because God's not done with us yet. He's doing a work in each one of us. But it's in the journey, it's in the process of walking through a messy world that we learn all this stuff about ourselves. And that's God's plan in it the whole way. I think that's awesome. Notice in verse 3 it says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Wow, he says, God made you to hunger so God could feed you miraculously. Now, that changes, I believe, the way we have a tendency to look at times of scarcity. When you realize that sometimes things are scarce so God can do supernatural things in your life so that you would learn very important lessons. Do you see how this is so important? Because it's like, this colors life so differently, doesn't it? Because now all of a sudden you see these times of scarcity, like they were in the wilderness and they had no food, right? And then God's like, well, I knew that they were going to have no food and I already have a plan of sending this supernatural bread from heaven that's going to rain on down, it's going to show up every day and you can collect it, eat it for the day and I'll give it to you every single day except on the Sabbath day you collect twice as much and I'm going to feed you that way. And I did that because I wanted to show you what that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, what he's saying is I want you to realize that what you need is not all that you need. But what you really need is who I am and what I tell you the world is and you do need your bread but I'll give you that too. And if you know your New Testament, you realize that Jesus used this verse to counteract the temptations of Satan when he was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Remember, Satan came to him and said, well, if you're the Lord, if you're the Messiah, I want you to take these stones. I want you to turn them to bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, what this means is that the physical needs that you have is not the most important need. That God, his word speaks as bread, and that's even more necessary than our necessities. And God brought the children of Israel into the wilderness and had them spend times of being hungry so that he could feed them and teach them that I got you. I got you. And you can read about all this, this manna, Exodus chapter 16, Numbers chapter 11. And it's amazing that you'll find in Joshua chapter 5, we might get there in who knows how long, (laughs) who knows, 512, that the provision of manna ceased once the children of Israel crossed the Jordan and entered into the promised land. So it's powerful to realize, and you need to realize, that the things that you see as necessities in your life, there's a greater necessity And that's the word of God. It's even more necessary. Now, don't get me wrong. We should never just say, oh, you know, and and the book of James teaches that if someone comes hungry, say, oh, well, be clothed and be fed and God bless you and pat them on the head. You should feed them. You know what I mean? Because we don't use this as a reason not to serve other people because God's word says all sorts of things about helping people in need. But at the same time, we have to remember your soul needs something greater than just bread. Your soul needs the word of God. And I know that's why you study the word. I want to encourage you, 
feed yourself daily on the word of God. Read the word. Man, if you have a smartphone or a semi-smartphone or a hitting puberty phone, whatever you got, it's like, you know what I mean? Text yourself Bible verses and stuff. You know what I mean? And like, it's fun. I love what God's doing in my own home as my kids are getting older. My wife, Lynn, she writes scriptures on note cards. And I've shared with many of you before that I memorized scripture. This was before there was iPhones and smartphones and stuff. And I write scriptures on index cards. I'd stick them in my pocket. I'd put two on each side. So I'd carry around four verses with me everywhere I went. And I'd be standing in line. I would just pull it out and read it. And that's how I memorized scripture. And so it's beautiful to come home and there's six scriptures on index cards just scribbled on. Not nice, not with doilies and it's just like the word pen on white paper. And they're everywhere in our house. Like even on our little daughter Annabelle, she can't read on her mirror. You know? And everywhere I go in the house, there's, and it's not decorative, but it is decorative to me. Because it's everywhere. And it brings me back to as a young believer, just like writing scriptures and sticking them in my pocket. And I mean, the number of times I washed Bible verses in my, you know, you'd pull them out of your pocket. You'd be like, oh, okay, I got to write some new ones. But I memorize scriptures that way. Because I'm, we're reminded that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's why as a church here on our midweek service, we're teaching through the old, what we call the Old Testament, we start in Genesis, we're going, then on Sundays we're doing other series, and then you go to any one of our men's ministry or women's ministry, they're always in the word of God. Because God will prosper his word. God ordained his word, it's awesome. Now, not only that, look at what he says, and we're reminded here in verse four about God's faithfulness. It says, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your feet, your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Now, here we were reminded that God was faithful, even though it took them 40 years, a journey that shouldn't have taken them that time because of their disobedience. But God was still faithful. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't get swollen, right? And not only that, they're reminded that God loves them like a father. And as a father chastens or disciplines his child, so our heavenly father does the same. And of course, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews picks up on this. Now, right as we get into these verses, it's unfortunate we live in a day and age where many people had fathers who were abusive, who were angry, who were aggressive, and you hear words like, as a father disciplines his child, so God, and it evokes, there's wounds and it evokes a lot of pain. See, God's discipline is based in love. Unfortunately, for so many of us, we, we had those experiences with physical fathers who disciplined us in anger because they were frustrated with us. And that is not the paternal heart of God. That's unfortunately fallen humanity fathers who can't keep their tempers in check. But God's discipline to us is because he loves us. As I always say, God loves us too much to keep us this way. Along the way, God stops us and says, no, 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 not you, my child. That's not who you are. That's who you used to be. Jesus is God doesn't save us and then leave us to figure this out ourselves. Pastor Daniel today reminded us that God takes an active interest in our lives. 
molding us into the people he knows we can be. This includes blessing us, but also disciplining us when we need it. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver, services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel reminds us that in the same way that we discipline children, God also disciplines us. He wants us to live the best life we can. And that requires correcting us when we've strayed from his path. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is Real Radio.